Section 18 of The Coming Race. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Mary Rohde. The Coming Race by Edward George Bulwer Lytton. Chapter 25, Part 2. When I awoke some hours later and heard the songs of the birds in the adjoining aviary, the remembrance of Thais's sister, her gentle looks and caressing words, vividly returned to me. And so impossible is it for one born and reared in our upper world's state of society to divest himself of ideas dictated by vanity and ambition, that I found myself instinctively building proud castles in the air. Tish though I be, thus ran my meditations, Tis though I be, it is then clear that Z is not the only Gi whom my appearance can captivate. Evidently I am loved by a princess, the first maiden of this land, the daughter of the absolute monarch whose autocracy they so idly seek to disguise by the republican title of chief magistrate. But for the sudden swoop of that horrible Z, this royal lady would have formally proposed to me, and though it may be very well for Apollin, who is only a subordinate minister, a mere commissioner of light, to threaten me with destruction if I accept his daughter's hand, yet a sovereign, whose word is law, could compel the community to abrogate any custom that forbids intermarriage with one of a strange race, and which in itself is a contradiction to their boasted equality of ranks. It is not to be supposed that his daughter, who spoke with such incredulous scorn of the interference of parents, would not have sufficient influence with her royal father to save me from the combustion to which Apollin would condemn my form. And if I were exalted by such an alliance, who knows but what the monarch might elect me as his successor? Why not? Few among this indolent race of philosophers like the burden of such greatness." all might be pleased to see the supreme power lodged in the hands of an accomplished stranger who has experience of other and livelier forms of existence and once chosen what reforms i would institute what additions to the really pleasant but too monotonous life of this realm my familiarity with the civilized nations above ground would effect I am fond of the sports of the field. Next to war, is not the chase a king's pastime? In what varieties of strange game does this netherworld abound? How interesting to strike down creatures that were known above ground before the deluge! But how, by what terrible vril, in which, from want of hereditary transmission, I could never be a proficient? No, but by a civilized, handy breech-loader, which these ingenious mechanicians could not only make, but no doubt improve. Nay, surely I saw one in the museum. Indeed, as absolute king, I should discountenance Vril altogether, except in cases of war. Apropos of war, it is perfectly absurd to stint a people so intelligent, so rich, 
so well armed to a petty limit of territory sufficing for ten thousand or twelve thousand families is not this restriction a mere philosophical crotchet at variance with the aspiring element in human nature such as has been partially and with complete failure tried in the upper world by the late mr robert owen of course one would not go to war with the neighboring nations as well armed as one's own subjects but then what of those regions inhabited by races unacquainted with vril and apparently resembling in their democratic institutions my american countrymen one might invade them without offence to the vril nations our allies appropriate their territories extending perhaps to the most distant regions of the nether earth and thus rule over an empire in which the sun never sets i forgot in my enthusiasm that over those regions there was no sun to set as for the fantastical notion against conceding fame or renown to an eminent individual because forsooth bestowal of honours ensures contest in the pursuit of them stimulates angry passions and mars the felicity of peace it is opposed to the very elements not only of the human but of the brute creation which are all if tameable participators in the sentiment of praise and emulation what renown would be given to a king who thus extended his empire i should be deemed a demigod thinking of that the other fanatical notion of regulating this life by reference to one which no doubt we christians firmly believe in but never take into consideration i resolved that enlightened philosophy compelled me to abolish a heathen religion so superstitiously at variance with modern thought and practical action musing over these various projects I felt how much I should have liked at that moment to brighten my wits by a good glass of whisky and water. Not that I am habitually a spirit drinker, but certainly there are times when a little stimulant of alcoholic nature, taken with a cigar, enlivens the imagination. Yes, certainly among these herbs and fruits there would be a liquid from which one could extract a pleasant venous alcohol and with a stake cut off one of those elks ah what offence to science to reject the animal food which our first medical men agree in recommending to the gastric juices of mankind one would certainly pass a more exhilarating hour of repast then too instead of those antiquated dramas performed by childish amateurs certainly when i am king I will introduce our modern opera and a corps de ballet for which one might find, among the nations I shall conquer, young females of less formidable height and thews than the jayet, not armed with vril, and not insisting upon one's marrying them. I was so completely wrapped in these and similar reforms, political, social, and moral, calculated to bestow on the people of the netherworld the blessings of a civilization known to the races of the upper that i did not perceive that z had entered the chamber till i heard a deep sigh and raising my eyes 
beheld her standing by my couch. I need not say that according to the manners of this people, a gi can, without indecorum, visit an on in his chamber, although an on would be considered forward, and immodest to the last degree if he entered the chamber of a gi without previously obtaining her permission to do so. Fortunately, I was in the full habiliments I had worn when Z had deposited me on the couch. Nevertheless, I felt much irritated, as well as shocked by her visit, and asked in a rude tone what she wanted. "'Speak gently, beloved one, I entreat you,' said she, "'for I am very unhappy. I have not slept since we parted.' "'As due sense of your shameful conduct to me as your father's guest "'might well suffice to banish sleep from your eyelids. "'Where was the affection you pretend to have for me? "'Where was even that politeness on which the Virilia pride themselves, "'when, taking advantage alike of that physical strength "'in which your sex in this extraordinary region excels our own, "'and of those detestable and unhallowed powers,' which the agencies of Rill invest in your eyes and finger-ends. You exposed me to humiliation before your assembled visitors, before her royal highness, I mean the daughter of your own chief magistrate, carrying me off to bed like a naughty infant, and plunging me into sleep without asking my consent. Ungrateful! Do you reproach me for the evidences of my love? Can you think that, even if unstung by the jealousy which attends upon love till it fades away in blissful trust, when we know that the heart we have wooed is won, I could be indifferent to the perils to which the audacious overtures of that silly little child might expose you? Hold! Since you introduce the subject of perils, it perhaps does not misbecome me to say that my most imminent perils come from yourself, or at least would come if I believed in your love and accepted your addresses. Your father has told me plainly that in that case I should be consumed into a cinder with as little compunction as if I were the reptile whom Tai blasted into ashes with the flash of his wand." "'Do not let that fear chill your heart to me,' exclaimed Z, dropping on her knees, and absorbing my right hand in the space of her ample palm. "'It is true, indeed, that we two cannot wed as those of the same race wed. True that the love between us must be pure as that which, in our belief, exists between lovers who reunite in the new life beyond that boundary at which the old life ends.' but is it not happiness enough to be together, wedded in mind and in heart? Listen, I have just left my father. He consents to our union on those terms. I have sufficient influence with the College of Sages to ensure their request to the tour not to interfere with the free choice of a gi, provided that her wedding with one of another race be but the wedding of souls." Oh, think you that true love needs ignoble union? It is not that I yearn only to be by your side in this life, to be part and parcel of your joys and sorrows here. I ask here for a tie 
which will bind us for ever and for ever in the world of immortals. Do you reject me? As she spoke, she knelt, and the whole character of her face was changed, nothing of sternness left to its grandeur, a divine light as that of an immortal shining out from its human beauty. But she rather awed me as an angel than moved me as a woman, and after an embarrassed pause, I faltered forth evasive expressions of gratitude, and sought as delicately as I could to point out how humiliating would be my position amongst her race in the light of a husband who might never be permitted the name of father. But, said Z, this community does not constitute the whole world. No, nor do all the populations comprised in the League of Relia. For thy sake I will renounce my country and my people. We will fly together to some region where thou shalt be safe. I am strong enough to bear thee on my wings across the deserts that intervene. I am skilled enough to cleave open, amidst the rocks, valleys in which to build our home. Solitude and a hut with thee would be to me society and the universe. Or wouldst thou return to thine own world above the surface of this, exposed to the uncertain seasons, and lit but by the changeful orbs which constitute by thy description the fickle character of those savage regions? I so speak the word, and I will force the way for thy return, so that I am thy companion there, though there as here, but partner of thy soul, and fellow-traveller with thee to the world in which there is no parting and no death. I could not but be deeply affected by the tenderness, at once so pure and so impassioned, with which these words were uttered, and in a voice that would have rendered musical the roughest sounds in the rudest tongue. And for a moment it did not occur to me that I might avail myself of Z's agency to effect a safe and speedy return to the upper world. But a very brief space for reflection sufficed to show me how dishonorable and base a return for such devotion it would be to allure thus away from her own people and a home in which I had been so hospitably treated, a creature to whom our world would be so abhorrent, and for whose barren, if spiritual, love I could not reconcile myself to renounce the more human affection of mates less exalted above my erring self. With this sentiment of duty towards the Gi combined another of the duty towards the whole race I belonged to. Could I venture to introduce into the upper world a being so formidably gifted, a being that with a movement of her staff could in less than an hour reduce New York and its glorious Kumposh into a pinch of snuff. Rob her of her staff? With her science she could easily construct another. And with the deadly lightnings that armed the slender engine her whole frame was charged. If thus dangerous to the cities and populations of the whole upper earth, could she be a safe companion to myself, in case her affection should be subjected to change or embittered by jealousy? 
These thoughts, which it takes so many words to express, passed rapidly through my brain and decided my answer. Z, I said, in the softest tones I could command, and pressing respectful lips on the hand into whose clasp mine vanished. Z, I can find no words to say how deeply I am touched, and how highly I am honored by a love so disinterested and self-immolating. My best return to it is perfect frankness. Each nation has its customs. The customs of yours do not allow you to wed me. The customs of mine are equally opposed to such a union between those of races so widely differing. On the other hand, though not deficient in courage among my own people, or amid dangers with which I am familiar, I cannot, without a shudder of horror, think of constructing a bridal home in the heart of some dismal chaos, with all the elements of nature, fire and water and mephitic gases, at war with each other, and with the probability that at some moment while you were busied in cleaving rocks or conveying vril into lamps i should be devoured by a crek which your operations disturbed from its hiding-place i a mere tish do not deserve the love of a gi so brilliant so learned so potent as yourself yes i do not deserve that love for i cannot return it Z released my hand, rose to her feet, and turned her face away to hide her emotions. Then she glided noiselessly along the room and paused at the threshold. Suddenly, impelled as by a new thought, she returned to my side and said in a whispered tone, You told me you would speak with perfect frankness. With perfect frankness, then, answer me this question. If you cannot love me, do you love another? Certainly I do not. You do not love Thais's sister? I never saw her before last night. That is no answer. Love is swifter than Brill. You hesitate to tell me. Do not think it is only jealousy that prompts me to caution you. If the Tour's daughter should declare love to you, if in her ignorance she confides to her father any preference that may justify his belief that she will woo you he will have no option but to request your immediate destruction as he is specially charged with the duty of consulting the good of the community which could not allow the daughter of the relia to wed a son of the tisha in that sense of marriage which does not confide itself to union of the souls alas there would then be for you no escape she has no strength of wing to uphold you through the air she has no science wherewith to make a home in the wilderness believe that here my friendship speaks and that my jealousy is silent with these words z left me and recalling those words i thought no more of succeeding to the throne of the relia or of the political, social, and moral reforms I should institute in the capacity of absolute sovereign. End of chapter 25